Welcome to this month's special programming series, Focus on Cancer, on ReachMD XM157. Dr. Mehmet Oz said, If I had cancer, I would read this book. Wonder why? To find out, stay tuned to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Dr. Lise Allshuler. Dr. Allshuler is the president of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. From 2003 until January 2008, she was the director of the Naturopathic Medicine Department at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Midwestern Regional Medical Center located in Zion, Illinois, north of Chicago. She is co-author of Alternative Medicine Magazine's book, Definitive Guide to Cancer, an Integrative Approach to Prevention, Treatment, and Healing. Dr. Allshuler is currently practicing with the Naturopathic Specialist Group in Scottsdale, Arizona, specializing in oncology. Today we're discussing Dr. Allshuler's book, The Definitive Guide to Cancer. Hi, Dr. Allshuler, and thanks for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. It's my pleasure. I understand from the introduction of the book that following your graduation from Brown University, you had actually applied to conventional medical schools or allopathic schools. Why did you change your mind, and why did you choose naturopathy? Well, you know, I knew from third grade that I wanted to be a physician, and it was a goal that I held on to quite tightly throughout my education. And, in fact, I went to Brown University and was accepted into their seven-year med program, which turned out to be quite a blessing for me because as part of that program, I was given the opportunity to really get some early exposures to hospital-based medicine and to other physicians. And the more that I did that as I was an undergraduate, the more I realized that although I really was intrigued with the sort of biochemistry and the physiology of medicine. I really also had a very keen interest in a more integrated and holistic perspective, which I was not seeing being practiced. And so the more that I was exposed, the more I realized that that was not something that I really could feel comfortable in ultimately. So did decide not to pursue conventional medical school, had not heard about naturopathic medicine at that point, and uh, was kind of looking at other things, including public health and so forth, and then finally came across the catalog for Bastyr University, and the principles of naturopathic medicine really struck a chord with me, and it's a path I've pursued, and I haven't looked back since. I completely love naturopathic medicine. That was a great story. It's quite a compliment to get someone like the Wizard of Oz to read a book that you wrote and to actually endorse it as strongly as he did. Have you or your co-author talked to him about the book? I have not talked to him personally about the book. My co-author has, and, you know, his endorsement is strong, and I think because it really resonates with his own perspective, which is to give people scientifically validated kind of balanced perspective inclusive of a respect for conventional interventions, but also a respect for integrative options. And I think it's really that whole approach that we encompass in this book that he really respects. And so that's why I think he was able to give us his endorsement. Did he have any advice for, say, the next edition? (laughs) (laughs) He did not. I, I think that both Carolyn and I are still recovering from this Harry Potter, the eighth tomb of this book. So yeah, I should tell the audience, it's over 500 pages long. This is quite a comprehensive volume. Yes, it took many hours of labor to put this together. So second edition or, or next book is something <laughs> that I'm not quite ready to contemplate just yet. The book talks about an integrative approach. And just for, again, clarification, how does that differ from complementary and also from alternative? Yeah, we were very specific about that wording, and for us, integrative really means 
one way we describe it is it's a both-and approach. It's not an either-or approach, which sometimes even something like complementary and conventional care can be, because typically when the patient is seeking care for an illness, particularly cancer, and we know this is true for people with cancer, over 80% in most surveys of people with cancer utilize some form of complementary care with their conventional care, but it's usually the patient that's trying to pull those things together, which is kind of a triangulated approach, not truly integrative. Integrative is where the patient is able to discuss all of what they're doing with all of their providers. Their providers are all talking to each other and, in fact, coordinating what they're recommending to the patient in light of what other providers are also recommending so that the patient really gets a comprehensive sort of from start to finish program. And that's really what we're advocating for in this book. I will share my dream for medicine in general, healthcare in general, but certainly for cancer care, that the future of cancer care really is integrated kind of across the board because I feel like it has the most to offer people. What does integrative care, what's it comprised of? So integrative care is certainly inclusive of conventional care and really state-of-the-art conventional care with whatever biological therapies we have, chemotherapy, radiation, etc. And along with that, a very sound nutritional program inclusive of dietary recommendations, supplement recommendations, and then any kind of practice which will help support health in the mind-body-spirit way. So that can include spiritual counseling, mind-body medicine therapy, practices such as yoga, acupuncture, Reiki, various kinds of healing disciplines, so that you know the patient is really employing all different kinds of things which will together support their health physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I'd like to go into that specifically a little bit further, but pause to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Lise Allshuler, and we're discussing her book, The Definitive Guide to Cancer, An Integrative Approach to Prevention, Treatment, and Healing. I was very impressed that in the introduction of the book, it also said that one of your principles was scrutinizing the scientific literature, and all information carefully and using only the highest quality references and the most respected sources. Can you give us some specific examples? Everybody likes a take-home message from these shows. You know, two, three, four, five guiding principles where people can go back to their patients and say, you know, I read this in Dr. Allshuler's book, and here's the basis for it. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was very important to Carolyn and I that given the topic that we really make sure that all the information we presented we could stand behind. She nor I have any other commercial interest, so we are not advocating any particular product. So we were able to really go into the third-party literature and look for validated studies behind our recommendations, which gives it scientific credibility. And that's particularly important in cancer because so much of the information, particularly around integrated therapies, are essentially unvalidated. And so after doing that, you know, there are clearly some very basic and almost intuitive take-homes, but the research is so supportive of them. Some basic things like it's very clear now that for most cancers, eating a diet that includes five servings of fruits or vegetables every day and a serving, which can be confusing, means a cup of raw or a half a cup of cooked. Five servings a day is preventative for many of the most common cancer types. If you add to that 
30 minutes of exercise on a daily basis, then you, in most cases, double the preventive benefit from that. And that's been demonstrated for breast cancer, for lung cancer, for colon cancer. So, And I'm sure as they compile more study results, they'll see that same thing is true for other cancers as well. And for those that want a specific reference, let me just add that the American Cancer Society has guidelines that they've published on nutrition and physical activity for cancer prevention. And it was published in CA, a cancer journal for clinicians, November 2006. So you are speaking from a lot of experience as well as, again, here's a reference for those that want to get some more specifics on diet and nutrition. I apologize for the interruption. Yeah, absolutely. That's helpful. It's a good reference to know. And, you know, from a preventive standpoint, there's a lot of other information which is really starting to coalesce around, you know, we know smoking's a risk factor, but one of the things that's emerging as quite a concern is obesity. And overall, you know, excess weight accounts for about 17% of cancer deaths and increases people's risk of dying from cancer if they are overweight. It's a problem given that two-thirds of the population in the United States is overweight, and I think we're starting to see obesity in our children, so I think we're going to really start to see this play out in chronic illnesses such as cancer in the younger generations. So, you know, that's another relationship to the diet and exercise, and that may be one of the reasons why those fruits and vegetables and exercise have such a beneficial impact on preventing cancer. Based on writing the book, did you make any changes in the way you practice medicine? That's an interesting question. You know, I think I probably I probably did in a couple of ways. One way is there are certain, especially with regards to certain supplements, my practice I'm really working with people who have current cancer diagnosed and they're undergoing active treatment. And uh, after reviewing some of the research, I really felt even more compelled than normal to make certain supplement recommendations and some of the things that I would probably recommend anyway, but things like green tea and melatonin and black cohosh for women with breast cancer, those kind of things. After reminding myself of how much data there is, I really felt like, wow, this is something people have really got to include. So I think that was probably a slight change. I think the other thing that I probably did change as a result of writing this book is just that the realization about how invested people are in prevention. Even once people have been diagnosed with cancer, It's human nature to believe that they're going to beat it and they're going to survive. And people are always kind of looking to the horizon and they're already thinking about, okay, I'm going to get over this and I want to know what I can do to prevent this from happening again or from preventing this happening in one of my loved ones. Oh, that's a great point because secondary cancers is a well-known phenomenon. Have you collected any data or perhaps through Cancer Treatment Centers of America collecting any data on how integrative medicine, the use of diet, exercise, supplements may reduce the recurrence rates or incidence of new cancers? You know, there's some data on that for certain things. For example, and it seems to be that most of the data that really shows benefit there is with early stage cancers. So, for example, there was a a nice study done on women in California who had been diagnosed with stage 1 breast cancer and who had undergone definitive treatment and were followed And they were followed in two groups, women who drank on average five cups of green tea or more a day and women who drank less than two cups a day. And the women who drank more than five cups a day had a reduced risk of recurrence by about 30%, which is pretty significant. That's very significant. Yeah, and that same data for green tea has been shown with prostate cancer as well. There's some data that's a little bit less 
sort of conclusive, but certainly indicative with vitamin D and colon cancer, possibly prostate cancer. So, you know, when you look at specific supplements for specific cancers, you do start to see some of those trends. Although I have to say that there's really not been a big epidemiological study looking at people who eat lots of vegetables, who exercise, and who take, you know, these three, four supplements do they in general have a lower risk of secondary cancers? That hasn't been done yet. Well, I think I'm going to take a break for my green tea. And as time has just flown by, I'd like to thank you so much, Dr. Lisa Allshuler, for being my guest. And we've been discussing your book, The Definitive Guide to Cancer, An Integrative Approach to Prevention, Treatment, and Healing. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore the on-demand and podcast features, which gives you access to our entire program library. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, as we feature a special series, Focus on Cancer.